0: What's happening, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Christian Hansen Show. I'm Christian Hansen. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. It's episode 38. Today's guest, comedian Jim Flanagan. Uh, Jim was actually one of the first comedians I've ever seen live. Uh, I've actually talked to every comedian that I've seen him open for on the show, too, or I'm going to be uh, talking to everyone that I've seen him open for. I'm talking to Jenny Dugan here shortly, uh, coming up, and uh, that'll be it. I complete the list of everyone I see Jim open for, but uh, yeah, uh, like I said, he was the first person I've ever seen live. I think he was opening for either Jenny Dugan or Karen Rantowski or Dr. Bill Miller, one of the three. It was at Zany's in St. Charles. That place is now closed. Um, it wasn't their doing that they were running out of an abandoned resort, a uh, pheasant run that is, and uh, it's sad to see it go. It's a fun place. It was a fun place. It was uh, interesting, unique uh, in many ways, um, but uh, yeah, it sucks to see, you know, places like that go. Uh, Zanies, you know, <laughs> there used to be four of them here. Four Zanies in Illinois. That's insane. I think there was one in Vernon Hills at uh, one point, a long time ago. I think that shut down in 2011. St. Charles rosemont chicago there was four zanies here and then the fifth one which i think the original one uh, was in nashville i believe but uh anyways yeah a uh, fun conversation with jim really had a blast talking to him he's a great guy if you guys have that comedy itch and are in the chicagoland area well, let me tell you something you go see jim live yes live comedy it's great you should do it i advise you to do so especially check out this man Jim Flanagan, he will be in Bolingbrook at CG's Comedy Club coming up, and he's doing a show on the south side of the city uh, with All That Good Stuff Productions. Uh, the All That Good Stuff Productions show is going to be on April 22nd, and the CG Comedy Club show out in Bolingbrook is going to be April 23rd and 24th. If you're in the Chicagoland area, come on out, support Jim, support live comedy, and support your local comedy clubs. Do it. Thank you. Support live comedy; it's great. Um, I mean, I don't have to to uh, say it uh, for you to know that it's important. Uh, we just came off a year, a year of a plague. Uh, no money's coming in. Uh, these workers are out of a job. S- things are starting to get better. Uh, we're able to do live events, live entertainment. These people are getting their jobs back. Uh, support them, please. Do it; it's important. Um, but, anyways, without further ado, this is me talking to Mr. Jim Flanagan. Enjoy. Jim Flanagan, what's going on, man? Hey, how are you, man? Good to be here. It is uh, good to have you. I, uh, I always start with how I've uh, come across the guest. And uh, first time I ever saw you was, um, it's going to sound like I was forced to go, but my aunt dragged me out to go see Zanies, And uh, you. I think you were opening for, uh, I, I don't know if it was... I think maybe it was Dugan or or uh I don't know if you've opened for Rentowski, but it was right before the, the place shut down in St. Charles. And mm-hmm. uh it was great. It was that was like one of that was actually the first time I've ever seen live comedy. Oh wow. Really? It was. Yeah. I never was it sounds bad. People think I've been in been in it for a while. I just got into it at the start of the pandemic, like really into it. But yeah, you were the That's first person I've ever seen live.
1: Well, thank you. And, yeah. uh, and you decided to have me on anyways. I'll take it. No, you know what? <laughs> uh,
0: don't beat yourself up. I mean, you're great. And uh, I, I, uh, I'm excited to talk to you about that. And the, the one thing, I, uh, I, like I said before we started the recording, is uh, the, the pandemic, obviously, after a while, you just get sick of answering these questions. So I'm not going to bore you with that. But uh, you did start something uh, quite exciting um, at the start of it with a buddy of yours, Pat McGann. Uh, talk a little bit about that podcast and uh how that all came to be.
1: Yeah. So we actually we started it maybe three, four weeks before the pandemic. Oh wow. Uh, just random timing, you know. And then it kind of yeah, it was kind of cool because it it very quickly became a a time capsule of what was happening. Like um, so it's called All Over the Place Mm -hmm. and uh you know it's just kind of us rambling, and it was going to be us wherever we were, all, literally all over the place, whatever cities we were working in, talking to each other, you right. know. And then it kind of became us going nowhere very, very quickly. It yeah. became, you know, just each of us at home doing it. But uh, it, it, it's funny because, like, people go back and listen to the early episodes, and the first few episodes were talking about like where we're going to be at the end of March and April right. and stuff like that. And people are like, you can just quickly see it, everything turn. You know what I mean? And like just everything just kind of shut down right there, but they kind of see it in real time. So it's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's great. And uh, I I think it was uh, interesting, too, because I I saw right at the start of it, too, you had uh, obviously it helped that Pat was supporting him, but you had Sebastian come on. How did that come to be um, to to get him on?
1: Yeah, so it was when uh, Pat released his special. Mm -hmm. So um, Sebastian produced uh, Pat McGann's Mm stand-up special. And uh, so He was kind of, we've had two guests, we've had a few unofficial guests. We had two official guests, Mike Singletary and Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, wow. So we're two for two. I mean, for, uh, you know, for the very limited amount of guests we have, we've had some good ones, but Sebastian was awesome. And he's he's always been so good about giving back and really taking care of people. So he's been, uh, he's been great and it was cool to have him on.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I just wanted to start with that, just to talk about that, because I thought that was interesting. Um, But uh, I have to ask, before I get deeper in here, what classifies uh, official and unofficial? Like, that sounds super desponding to anyone who's ever been on the show, other than those (laughs) two. Like, they just, like, don't even matter. It's fair.
1: And I don't want it to sound like that because they're yeah, great guests. Yeah. Like one time, Pat called his mom for help with oh, the trivia that's question. <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't like, a, it wasn't like an I- interview. You know what I mean? It was right, like right. a phone a friend. And then yeah. sometimes uh, his kids will talk in the background or something. Just, right. I mean, we go around and call them our unofficial mm-hmm. guests. So yeah, we've actually great. had, uh, yeah,
0: it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Now, was, uh, was Pat one of the ones that was there with you when you started this, uh, this comedy uh, journey? Was he one of the ones in the beginning?
1: No, it's a good question. He started after me, and he's just one of those people who is so funny. Yeah, knew right away that you know he was gonna he was gonna do big things. Um, I started I started at a place in uh, Mount Prospect called hmm. Famous Freddy's. Uh, they used to do like a Thursday show, mm-hmm. and uh, actually uh, Vince Corona. I don't know if you know Vince. Oh, I've Vince heard of him. We yeah, started, yeah. yeah, we started at the same time, so uh, it was like my first time doing stand up. It was maybe his fourth or fifth, and it was a contest, mm-hmm. and uh, it was kind of you know like a audience vote type of thing. Mm. And uh, Vince and I tied for the victory on our first night. Um, we tied because he was funnier and I brought a lot more people.
0: Ah. So,
1: you know what I mean? It was one of those right, like where right. we both got a bunch of votes, but uh, it led to, you know, just like a lifelong friendship. It led to uh, an awesome journey. You know, so it was uh it was cool having someone because we started with so many funny people, but sure. so many of them drop off or move yeah. or do different things, you know. And to have someone like that stays with it also and, and, and goes on to do great things, it just uh, it makes it so much easier because we didn't really like the internet was around, but it wasn't how it is today. What year was we didn't it? Real- this was 2003.
0: Okay, okay. So, I mean,
1: there just wasn't like a comedy scene here in the suburbs. And right. we didn't know. There was a great group out in, in the south suburbs, like at uh, at Riddles starting up. Or mm-hmm. excuse me, at uh, Barrel of Laughs. It was called Denise's Winery. Uh, Riddles also. Uh, people like Brian Hicks, Fritz, uh, Denise Ramsden, just some Chicago's best. And yes. they were all kind of had their own scene. Chicago had, you know, Kyle Kinane, uh, uh so many people, right. Uh, probably before TJ Miller at that point, but I mean, so many people kind of from that class who came through the Matt Brongers of the world. Uh, we just didn't know about any of it. We just knew there was a place where we could get up one night a week and do this open mic right. on Thursdays. And then, so eventually it just, uh, was like, Hey, we can, we could probably try this other places.
0: Sure. You know, the interesting thing is, is I, I don't know if this is true with, with everyone, but it feels like the, the beginning stages of it is a very, it's a false flag uh, time uh, time period for a beginning comedian. Because either one, you're getting gigs because you're bringing people in because they're buying drinks, or two, it's because you're actually funny. So it's, uh, I, I feel that's why uh, there was a tie uh, for, for the Vince uh, and, and you when you started, correct? Do you think that there was? Yeah. yeah. So who I mean, was we bringing always, the drinks? Uh, it, I was, yeah, I was yeah. getting
1: more people. Yeah. He was, he was, no, hey, I man. mean, but he was, we were both brand new. I mean, right. if you watched either one of our sets, they were both garbage at this point. Like, that's the thing about it. Because very few people, I mean, even the greats are rarely funny right off the bat. You know, it takes a while to, sure. to figure it out. And we, we knew how to get laughs. We mm-hmm. just weren't really developed into, you know, into actually writing good material or anything Yeah, It was kind of low hanging fruit, but uh, it was a lot of fun. And you need that because if you're not yeah. getting laughs... Like if you it's don't like, know what's what the that point? feels like, why what's am I even doing this? the point?
0: Yeah, I mean, exactly. that, no, that that's that's perfect because I mean, for for you, Dalia says it in his special. It's like, oh, you have to come from pain and all that stuff, yada yada yada. There's always a backstory to it, but I feel like your backstory is uh, quite transparent. Um, you have a uh, I think it was your brother, right? He's been married like what a billion times. Was it was it him? So it's like my brothers. <laughs> yeah, he's on three. My brother's on five. When you started, yeah. what was he on? I mean, where was the content coming from in the beginning?
1: Great question, um you know, I do like I talk some about my family and things like that i uh, my content a lot of it is just personal stories sure. I am mean, I, um, it's kind of just always been my way and and now I'm trying to like branch out of that a little bit further, you know, I'm trying mm. to go into other areas because I kind of feel like I've explored that yeah. and and now. Like it's still it's still personal, but mm-hmm. we've all shared an experience over the past year, right? Oh, like right. we're all yeah. in different places about it, but we've all shared something. So mm-hmm. I'm really trying to like focus it in that direction, just kind of like, hey, you guys, see what just happened over right. the last 12 months? Like, what, what did we all just go through? You yeah. know? Um, and so, but early on, it was it was much more personal. I mean, even then, though, a lot of it was just it was detached. I'll say that, and and I think that's one of the things about getting better at comedy because. It was personal, but it wasn't all real. Like there was, there were kernels of realism, and then it was like whatever joke you can make. Yeah, and then as you get better and as you start to figure it out, like you 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 make it more personal because that's something no one can take from you. Right, anyone can come up with the same punchline if everything is out there, but when it's more personal to you, that's something that you know just makes it much more unique.
0: Right. So what was the uh, what was the household like growing up? I mean, how did you how did you fall into it? Were you uh, a theater kid? Were you Were you an introvert? I mean, I, what, what was young Jimmy like growing up? How'd you get into comedy?
1: Great, great question. Um, it was never like, you know, it was always something I loved and enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I got home, I was just to turn on Comedy Central and leave it on for the rest of the day. You know, when I get home from school or whatever. I just loved it. I loved watching stand up. I loved watching these people do it. Mm-hmm. I never thought it was something that I could do. Um, I always thought I was funny. I, uh, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty ADD, so yeah. I was never very good in school. And if you weren't turning in your homework and stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. you'd often get called out. And sure. uh, so it helped if you were funny to be able to like, lighten the load and be able to push things off you a bit. So I think it just all kind of started as a defense mechanism, but it's something that just uh, it was a big part of who I was always. You know? And then one day, um, back in 2003, it was actually like it was like an I'll show you thing. You know, like oh, I, I had, okay. I just gone through something with the, with the woman I was dating and I was like, and she was always like, you should, you should try this. And I was like, you know what? I am going to try it just to show you that I can, Yeah, you know? And then I just fell in love with it. And it was like, oh, this is, I should do this more often. This is great.
0: Right. So I guess you can say that, uh, there was something that, you know, not singularly, but there was something that, that you derived the earlier, uh, you know, uh, material from, and that was, you know, a uh, a relationship that went to the wayside. Um, what was so? Uh, you know, obviously they all suck. There's no one who says, "Oh, that was my favorite one." Like they're all. There's always something there, right? Uh, what was so? Uh, what? What was so? Uh, I'll show you about that experience for you. I mean, was it? Was it like a post Malone type thing where you can write five albums off of it? Was it? Was it a? Was it a very <laughs> hard experience? There, or was it just something that you can? you know, run, uh, you know, run a 15, 20 minutes of content off of, or was it something more uh, serious? It wasn't
1: even like, it wasn't even material about it. It wasn't even because Experience. it was like this long drawn out thing. Mm. It was, it was really just a way to finally harness my energy. Yeah. I needed something to do and I needed something to figure out, you know, and it was the best thing that could have happened to sure. me. I mean, I, I'm incredibly thankful. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I ever would have gotten up there otherwise. So really? it was just kind of, yeah. Super random. I mean, it was just like I'm gonna try this, and mm-hmm. not, and I didn't take it seriously for the, you know the first part of me doing stand up. I mean, it was something that was just kind of I, I have a job, and then Thursday nights I do stand up, sure. and that was it. And then um, you know, as you go on, you kind of start to realize that like this is this is what I need to be doing. This is what I love.
0: Gotcha. So. <laughs> It sounds like, was there much of a support system growing up, though, that back at home? I mean, if that situation was what took you to, to make that move, was there, was there much support at home for what it is, whatever you were involved in?
1: Yeah, no, I, um, I mean, I, certainly my parents were incredibly loving, but I yeah. don't know if it was always the, the best situation. Yeah, um, nothing's perfect. Yeah, no, my mom is uh, an agoraphobic, which is the fear of going places.
0: Oh, that's kind of hard. Yeah, you can't. And...
1: Uh, My father was an alcoholic, so it was kind of a weird, I mean, it's fine, I mean, but it was kind of like a a weird combination of, Mm -hmm. you know, um, people who love me, just kind of not always there, you know, and uh, so you kind of, you kind of learn quickly how to become your own person at that Mm -hmm. point, and and it may not be doing the right things, but you kind of just develop defense mechanism, you know? Um, but I mean, again, I, you know, I, I love them. Like I'm yeah. not like, it, it, it's just, it was what it was, you yeah. know? And you just, I, I, a lot of people had it much worse than me. So you just deal and, uh, you just move on.
0: Right. How did, uh, I mean, how did, uh, you and your brother deal with, like, how did that kind of mold you into who you were? What did you learn about yourself through, through that time as you matured and grow, and, you know, have grown up uh, about that experience in life? Cause everyone go through situations. They're all different. I could go through the same situation you did, but I'm going to. Go through it differently that's why when people say oh i know how you feel it's a bunch of bullshit we grieve we, yeah, right. we deal with things differently right um what was uh what did the uh how, how did you uh, mold and morph into uh the person that you are today based on those experiences early on in life
1: you know the thing about like a situation like that yeah. and being very add adhd you know, yeah. is um there's not a lot of forward thinking and then there's not a lot of introspection either it's just kind of you're living in the moment Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and you're like you just you're doing whatever you need to and just kind of who i always was yeah so it wasn't until the last few years that i really started like thinking about those things and 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 you know some of these questions you're asking like i never really thought about how it molded me into anything it's kind of you're here you know you're parachuted out into something you don't really think about like what you know what skills you're learning along the way you just figure shit out
0: yeah it just happens Um,
1: yeah but it was uh again i mean it, it, you know incredibly loving family i mean it wasn't awesome, you know, it man. was
0: just, it was just different yeah sure I, I mean everything's different but for for you, was there school did you go to did you go to college
1: i did not, you did um, not. i tried a few times i did you i tried a few times out. yeah, it wasn't for me, and again, i didn't know at the time of, of right. my, uh my my a d h d nature i didn't i didn't understand what it was, i just kind of um, when I was a kid, they would like, uh, they'd, they'd bump me around to different programs because they're like, we don't know what to, do. there was no ADHD in school. There's like, we don't know what to do with them. Especially he, at that he, time.
0: I mean, there was not, the answers. none of the resources yeah. were there, you know?
1: Exactly. So it was just kind of, you know, like they, they'd move me up then they'd yeah. move me back down and they just kept like trying to find slots for me and everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I just kind of, I, I fell into two things that, you don't necessarily need education for, and that's sales and stand-up comedy. Yeah. And those just became, which are two things that I absolutely love to do. So they fit perfectly that they're not the type of, you know, you don't need a technical degree to go out and be able to sell stuff. You yeah. just need to be good at selling stuff. Right. And, and stand-up is selling
0: something. Sure. Uh,
1: selling yourself in a way, which is sometimes the hardest sales pitch. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, there's a lot of similarities between the two.
0: Absolutely. So that's what you were doing. That's what that's your line of work. You've been doing sales. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've been in uh, medical sales. I uh, oh, spent wow. 20 okay. years in the industry. So, you, yeah, I just kind of started at 18 and just kind of started working my way up. Damn. So it was just a, uh, yeah, it was a good, it, but a great combination too, though. Yeah. Uh, two things that, you know, are very performance driven, not necessarily nine to five versus, you know, a night shift. Like it was just kind of you do what you need to do, you get your stuff done, you make right. money. And you go home so they, they really fit in very well like I, I when you ask those questions like how did it all mold me I don't know the answer sure. to that, but somehow they all like all the pieces kind of clicked into place right and uh it's been a wild ride man I, I could never imagine it's been a lot of fun
0: yeah you, you mentioned medical sales what exactly like was it that you that you got into as far as sales go
1: yeah. So the hearing industry. So I was business ah, to business. Okay. Uh, I've spent uh, as a uh, manufacturer's rep. So working with uh, audiologists and doctors who wow. uh, prescribe hearing aids to patients. And, and I work for the manufacturer side and kind of that liaison, that rep in between the two. That's awesome. So, and you've been doing of it fun.
0: ever since. That's great. Yeah, awesome.
1: you got it. I thought that uh, I thought that this year uh, was 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 going to be a little different. Yeah. Um. So right before, like the week before the pandemic, mm-hmm. I recorded an album at Zanies and Rosemont. And oh, that's right! Uh, Perfect was, timing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was March sixth and seventh. Sold out four shows. You know, Friday, Saturday. Like it mm-hmm. was the most fun thing I've ever done. And I thought by the end of the year, like I, like I, for the first time ever, man, I had a plan. I had a trajectory.
0: I was going to launch like, you, uh, and then. Phew,
1: Things were going in that direction, and then, uh, uh, like for everybody, the pandemic just uh, you know just kind of starts it all over. But it's it's uh, new challenges, right? New challenges, we're all right? Figuring them out. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, I mean, obviously, you've been doing comedy forever up to that point, but what what was so different about the that's the special aspect of it? I mean, there's a lot more you're you're focused on than just your. Uh, you know, your act and what you do as a comedian, you have camp, you have things you have to pick up on cues and looking ar- And it- Specials are different. Uh, was it, did it feel any different though? Uh, while you were doing it, was there any, uh, anything that felt different up there? Was it- did they make it feel like just a normal night? Because I, I believe there'd be, there's an added pressure to it, right?
1: There is in every capacity until you get on stage and start telling jokes. Yeah. Like you are worried about everything else that's happening. Uh, You know, there are people following you around with cameras and stuff. And mine, like, I want to make a, you know, mine was more about the album portion for satellite radio and things like that. There's certainly video cameras and everything too, but it was a a smaller production um, on that side. But even with that, there's people following you around all day with cameras. There's like, there's a million things. People are like, hey, come talk to us after the show or before the next. And it's like, there's just so much happening. And you're so appreciative of everyone who took their time out to be there. But you're also kind of laser focused on this one thing you're doing. Right. And it's like anything you do, man, that, that you do it because you love it. Right. And then when you have like one of those high pressure situations, all the things that you didn't really give a shit about become your priority. Absolutely. You know? Like you're, you're walking to and from the stage four times so they can get another cut of it just in case they missed it the first time. And it's like, I just want to be up there with the microphone in my hand, just yelling at people. That's yeah. all I want, you know? And, and once you get into that moment, it's like second nature again, sure. but everything around it just feels a little different.
0: Right. I don't think
1: it's necessarily a bad thing either though. I mean, it feels different in the most special way. Mm-hmm. I mean, to. to to have like 1,200 people came out over the that's course of that of weekend to see me. And it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was really incredible. So it was just kind of, uh, yeah, it was great, man. Uh, nothing like it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, after you do something like that, um, you, people usually say like there, there comes a time where you have to start to not re- obviously recycle, but kind of fill in new, you know, bring up new material, new content because it's out there. People have seen it. Um, then the pandemic came. So I guess you could look at that as kind of an advantage, right? Like, you don't have to go out. I mean, you have all new material now. <laughs> it's
1: a weird, the problem is because of the pandemic, there's not a lot of, like, I've got about 10 new minutes. And, you know, I was hoping to be at at least 30, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a year later, probably closer to 45, but especially without uh, work or anything, you know, but. Sure. There's just, there's, you're not living any different experiences. That's like, true. Yeah. Again, you can talk about what happened, but there's only so much. Yeah, You can't do 45, uh, some people can, and they're amazing, but uh, it's hard to, do. And, and when you're not living life, there's less stuff to talk about. Um, and when you're not getting on stage and practicing jokes and, and you're not you know, able to test them in front of an audience and then do rewrites and everything, it just stalls the process. So mm. the last few weeks have been incredibly fun. I know, because- it's
0: back on the feet.
1: Yeah, man, for the first time, it's just like in a long time, I'm able to get back out there and and do some stand up and like bombing feels good again, you know, like a new joke not working feels amazing because you just you haven't even had that in a while. So the good feels great. And even the bad feels great. It's Mm -hmm. just cool to like have that live reaction back.
0: Oh, I know. I mean, you you even hear guys like I think Seinfeld did it the other day and uh, he did it in New York eh, at a club and he even said that it was it was different because, I mean, he, he, the bigger people, are they, you have to hit the clubs again. I mean, you're not going out to do Royal Albert like Bill Burr. You have to start back in the dark rooms. You have to, you have to, you have to build it up again. And it's so strange, especially to see people who have been doing it their whole life, people who have sold out Madison Square Garden, you know, consecutive days, have that, that approach and feel that, hey, I, I can't do this unless I start here again.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've got to, it has to be intimate. It has to be something you create with people. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to create. I'm only speaking, I'm imagining, because I don't know the answer to this, (laughs) but I would imagine it's hard to create in front of 40,000 people.
0: Oh, I'd say. You know Mm -hmm.
1: what I mean? Uh, Or 10,000 people Mm -hmm. or eight, like any one of those. So it's that's something that you're performing. Mm -hmm. The creating has to like be in that little room where you're talking, you're you're with them instead of performing at them. Sure, you're you're creating something together because mm-hmm. um, the audience is as big of a part of stand up as the comedian. Sure, I mean they've yeah. got to they've got to be with you and 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 you feed off of all that. So that's hard to do when you're at that big level mm-hmm. unless you take a step back and do it in small in small doses.
0: No, absolutely, I get that. When when did you uh, when did it become more uh, feel more um, what is it? Uh, more accustomed to the act though at what point did you did you feel in in this journey with comedy for you did you feel uh comfortable each and every night to get up there because i mean you start doing different clubs you uh, i don't know if you out of state you do different cities at what point did you feel comfortable enough to to do something uh you know more regular um as opposed to a couple nights a week locally or stuff like that. What, at what point did you feel like, you know, I, I, I can do this shit and I'm going to do it?
1: Yeah, I think it was probably the last five years or so. So I took some time off. And then in 2015, I, uh, I came back to stand-up comedy. And um, maybe the last three years mm-hmm. is really when it's hit. Yeah, you know, like and, I, and it started to get that comfort because it was always... Like I was always playing this balancing act of I'm a comic, but not really. I do stand up, but I, I don't put my all into it, you know. And then uh, and then I took some time off and cleared my head and just kind of got away from it for a bit. And uh, I was going down a, a different career path at at a, at a company I was working at, and hmm. uh, uh, they were they were like, hey, we want you to move to Minneapolis, oh, you know, wow. take over a management role. And I was like, I, I no. Like, I, I think I love this other thing that I had that gone away from yeah. for so long. And so stand up became important to me again, you know, and and, and that's why, like, when people leave stand up and come back, I, I love it because whatever you do, it, when it stops being fun, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to, you've got to just be able to hit a reset button. And sure. so even to have the security of a day job where I could hit that reset button, take some time off of it and then come back and be better at it than I ever was before, mm-hmm. you know, went a long way. So, I mean, I'm a bundle of nerves, Christian. That's just who I am. I'm uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, when you're like, when did you feel comfortable every night? Like i never, like that'll right. never happen oh, yeah, for you me. you change
0: to at different clubs. It's a, it's a new, you ha- it's like, it's like getting up there for the first time. You don't know the people. You You don't know know what's going to happen before you even open your mouth. You're just scanning them. You're going, okay, that guy might be a problem. That girl, uh, you know, you're trying to figure this out, you know?
1: You really, I mean, you, it's funny (laughs) because we we work so hard to not judge people in most aspects of life. And then when they're (laughs) sitting in a crowd, all I do is judge them. (laughs) Like, this guy's got his arms crossed. I hate him already. I don't like this this guy.
0: guy. (laughs) He's going to be an issue in about five minutes in, you know? Exactly.
1: Exactly. And sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong, but it's like, you you, you know, it doesn't matter. You have to go out there and do your job anyway. But I think it was, yeah. I mean, so the comfort, I'll always have the butterflies. If I don't have the butterflies, I shouldn't be doing this personally. It's me. But like I've, the the past few years when I was like, oh no, I'm good at this. Mm -hmm. Like where, like it just, it, like I, I, it was the confidence level that changed more than anything else.
0: Sure. I know you said your mom had this phobia of not being able to, you know, had this phobia going places. Has she seen you? Yeah. She has? Yeah.
1: I mean, she has a few times. Yeah, absolutely. You must be awesome. pretty good
0: to get to, to... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, and it's one of those things where it's not you know, it's not that she's never left the house. Right, it's no, just it's I know, very it, it's rare to do so and yeah. it, it takes a lot. But yeah, she's come out a few times over the years and uh which is awesome. You love the support. Right. Absolutely.
0: Now uh you still got your da- is your dad still here? You still still got your dad too? He is not not He's with n- us anymore. Oh man, I'm sorry no. about that. That's
1: all right. All good. How have you been all
0: good? How how that I mean Obviously, it's, it's tough, but um, was, that, was that part of the time period of taking off? Was that, part of, was that during that time period for you, where you took time away and you just focused on life and its uh, purpose, uh, You know, your purpose? W- w- was it around that time period? It's
1: actually a little bit after that. So okay. he passed away before I started doing stand-up. So sorry. Yeah. Um, all good. All good. Um, but yeah, it was uh, um, actually tomorrow will be 20 years. So
0: wow, no kidding. That's...
1: A little bit longer than, uh, than the stand-up bug a hit time. me. time, but... yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, I mean, is what it is. And sure. again, you just kinda you, you think about it all the time, but you move past it and sure. you kinda you take the inspiration. He was one of those people who, you know, taught me comedy without even meaning to. I mean, he
0: That's great. Yeah. He
1: had to make everyone laugh, you know, yeah. was that type of person. And 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 I think anyone who does comedy, you mentioned the pain is it's certainly right. part of it for a lot of people, but there also has to be those catalysts in your life. There you have, have to, to be yeah. someone who is making you think more creatively. Right. And that's an aspect that my parents both were really great at. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they're both funny in their own ways. That's I'll right. never, I don't admit that to them very often. You never do <laughs> with your parents, you right. know. But it's, uh, um, yeah. You you have to have those things right. and as part of that system to get you there. So right. absolutely, they're all part of my journey.
0: You know, the 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 thing is, I I always ask about the parents' questions and stuff like that. And sometimes, usually, I me, mean, I, I don't usually I never know unless you know if they're still here if they're not. But I always mm-hmm. ask because I feel like. Uh, there, there, there comes, you come from a place, right? And those people that were there from you at the beginning, really, one way or another, they're the reason why you become who you are, whether whoever you are, in some way, shape, or form, whether you, you can't deny it, right? I mean, there's always, exactly. there, there's things that you, you pick up on, you take from, you learn from, and you understand better uh, because of them. It just is just what it is, so that's why I I asked on that. But uh, no, man, that that's great. When did uh when did you uh start uh doing shows out of state? Like when when did you start doing your own uh, your booking? Uh, you know, doing shows uh, out of uh, the great state of Illinois. Uh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty early on, actually. Um, I got really lucky. I mean, you just when you're you know, it, again, it was a smaller scene out here then. There weren't a lot yeah. of comics in the, in the area. Um, There was a club called comedy comedy at the Wyndham
0: hotel in Lyle,
1: Illinois. So right by hotel. Uh, wow. Uh, yep. Yeah, there's a lot of clubs used to be in hotels. They'd be like a, a, a weekly, you know, in a hotel banquet room or something. It's
0: like pheasant run with zanies a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very similar. And then, um, so I worked with a guy, you probably know, um, it was, it was, it was, you go to St. Charles sometimes get him, John DeCoste. I don't know if you know, John. Oh
0: no, uh, I don't no? know. Okay.
1: Um, that's right. I'm sorry. You just started going. What am I thinking? Yeah. Um, so you're uh, the first. So you're right. I'm sorry. Never. we don't need any more comics, no, then.
0: I don't. I should just stop <laughs> right now.)
1: Um, but he's, uh, he's great. And he was like a favorite at St. Charles and he just saw me out there working and, and, and like, I would just go to the club every weekend. And if someone didn't show up, I'd see if they'd throw me five minutes and mm-hmm. if they would I'd bomb horrifically and, but I'd still keep going and you keep working and keep trying, you know? And, uh, so he just, uh, took me on the road a few times just to kind of show me what it was like and throw me 10, 15 minute spots opening for him at different places. And, and then from there, other people started doing it too. Sure. And you kind of like anything, man, you fake it till you make it. Once someone's like, oh, you're going on the road with people, you must be good. You're like, no, but you'll find out when we get there. Yeah. Like, let's go, you know? And so uh, you just keep going. And and it's been, again, a hell of a journey. I, I love it. I love the travel. That's great. The- places I'd never want to go, you know, that you're so excited to get to. There's a great club there, but it's like, I would never be like, man, I'm going to go to Des Moines, Iowa one weekend every year. You no, know, you wouldn't no. do that yeah. any other reason. Um, but I love it there. It's such a, a great club. And, and there's so many just like random Midwestern cities that I never would have found that are just, you know, part of my forever travel plans now.
0: That's great. You know what I, uh, you mentioned Iowa. So I have to ask when I talked to Sean Donnelly, he said that Iowa when he he did shows there, said it was the weirdest, they are the weirdest experiences for him. And I said, why? He goes, well, Iowa, they have this thing where, you know, I was, I thought I was doing great. But as soon as you start talking, the audience stops laughing. So it's like in transitions of jokes, you know, I, I'm doing my, my stuff. They're laughing. And then I start talking again. And then they stop. He didn't understand it. And he asked the crowd, he said, it's a sign of respect, they say. They said, as soon as you start talking, we, we assume that. Um, you know, we should shut up and listen to you. But he goes, it was the strangest thing ever. He goes, that every city he's gone to, he's never experienced that before, where as soon as like laughing never carried over.
1: It is.
0: Is that, did you experience that?
1: Not the same way. So mm-hmm. I get their Midwestern sensibilities. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I, you know, we're not that far removed from Iowa sure. a, as, a, as a place, right? And um, so that makes sense to me. Sean is also, he's one of my favorite comics, he's incredibly funny, the best dude in the world. I love the episode. Uh he and he's just boom, 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 yeah. boom, you know. And at a club in New York, that is like the role is just going to keep happening. And then in Iowa, if it's an you know, if it's an older, polite crowd, mm-hmm. they're like, ha, okay, do it again. You know, like they just want you to, they they want to like you said, it's a sign they want to give you that respect right. of hearing you out. And so, but when you're a comic like Sean or or like me and some of my bits where you're just kind of one after another, you need that role, yeah, and it's like just keep enjoying it. You can listen and laugh at the same time. Yeah. just you know, give me that. um, but yeah, no, I, I can see where it's coming from for sure. For me, I think that's like, um, for me, it, it, the weirdest places I've done, I haven't done a lot out there, but any of the stuff I've done it, it more toward the south, yeah, you know, it's kind of the weird stuff for me because those are the ones that I'm just not familiar with, yeah, that their their pace is not something that I can get like even just in life when I'm in the South or the way everyone stops and talks to each other at the gas station.
0: So I don't I'm like, got let's time go. for this man. I just want to that's get it. the hell out of here.
1: That's it. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. What did uh, you, did you get ever get out to Cali and uh, hit up uh, the clubs out there, the comedy clubs out there, like laugh factory or open mics at the, the comedy club? I've
1: not done uh laugh factory. I did the comedy store in La Jolla um, oh, yeah. through some friends last time I was out okay. there. Um, so there's two, there's, uh, uh, the, uh, main room and then La Jolla, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, you can't go That's wrong. About San
0: Diego, right?
1: Yeah. You yeah. can't go wrong when you're out in that area. No. Um, but it's still an amazing club. Sammy yeah. shore was out there. Uh, Polly's dad, kind of one of the, you know, him and his wife owned it. Um, obviously. And, uh, Uh, But I have not done the Laugh Factory out there yet, uh, but I'd like to at some point. I've done the uh, Ontario Improv out there. Mm. I mean, I've done a bunch of stuff out there. Uh, My first time doing the Improv in Ontario was probably 2006, and I'm pretty sure they thought I was someone else. So uh, I think they thought, and this was name alone, it was like, so a lot of these rooms they'll have different promoters running the show sure, yeah. right and it's not like the club owner it's just someone who you know it might be a dj or just a booker or some right. sort of producer right and uh i called and i'm like hey my name is jim flanagan i'm a comic from the midwest i'm in like we know who you are I'm you like, do yeah we'd love to ha- have you do a set and well, no one knew kill. who i was yeah man <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty sure they thought i was jim gaffigan <laughs> um like, and again, long ago, you know, right, yeah, before, yeah. before oh, you boy. were watching the clips on YouTube when you just listen to them on satellite radio, you didn't really necessarily put a name to a face, you know. Um, but hey, it got me out there for the first time ever, and I, and I got to go back a few times, so it was a lot yeah. of
0: fun. Well, you're going to have to explain that. So you get out there, and uh, when did they realize that, oh, we fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they ever did. I don't think they
1: ever, cause I had a good set and it was just, so I like, they didn't pay me to fly out there or yeah. anything. I was out there and I was like, I called and I was like, I'm a comic in town, you know, and I said my name and they're like, yeah, come in, please do a set. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I went up like, I went up after, uh, a guy named Dwayne Perkins is one of my favorite comics. And then, uh, before Joey Medina from the Latin Kings of uh-huh. comedy, like, I'm just like, this is a different world out here that i like, they have no idea, you know, th- th- I should not be on this lineup much sure. less in the <laughs> middle of it you know, and, uh, but it was great. It was so much fun. And, uh, you know, and then they just, they were always very nice. Whenever I'd come back to town, now the club managers knew me and everything. Yeah. And if they were able to get me up, they'd throw me up. It was never a problem.
0: That's great. Who are some of the guys that, uh, you, you're, you're privileged to, to talk to anybody that you kind of not, I would say idolize as much, but anyone that you kind of were like, damn, that guy's amazing. Like heroes, you know, in the comedy journey that have you, that you've been able to meet work with.
1: David Tell. David Tell, to me, is just one of the greatest comics to ever do it. How'd you Um, cross paths? uh, The Improv in Schaumburg. And he was actually, uh, he was flying in late. um, So they reached out to me and were like, Mm -hmm. hey, we need someone to burn some time before Dave gets in.
0: Burn some some time?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, but legit, right? Like his flight was late and you can't just start the show late. You can't just, you know, it was like we need to bring someone in to bridge the gap, right? Until Dave can get off the flight and get in here. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he had me come in and and do about 25, 30 minutes just to kind of set it up until he got there. And then he was great. He loved it. He was so thankful. He had me stick around and do more sets, you know, and uh, was just really, really cool about it. And um, But just watching someone like, insomniac when i was a kid was my show and his comedy central like i knew every word to to his cd to his special oh, you know great. david tell was like my favorite comic and uh, and i didn't think anyone knew who he was really? it, like he wasn't big big mm-hmm. at the time still if you ask people who aren't huge comedy fans they may not know who david tell is but this was early on so it was like my guy you know what i mean this was you know like, i like i was always uh, like athletes and stuff sure it was like the main like Jordan was awesome, but like, <laughs> I love Pippin. You know what I mean? Like I always wanted someone who wasn't like the right. number one and, uh, and it's was that for me. So getting to meet and work with him was great. Um, yeah. Brad Garrett's been amazing. He's been so nice to me, uh, over the course of, uh, of my career. Uh, he, he's brought me out to work his clubs several times. Um, Sebastian was really great really? and, and uh, such a nice dude. Is he a and, tough and talk
0: or is he, is he just down?
1: He both. Yeah, I think both. I think both He's these tough talk and he's down to earth because he's, he's the nicest dude. Um, he's not a big, small talker. Sure. Um, but he taught me that you have to be tireless to be that famous. Mm. And he taught me that I don't want that. Like you have to be like, <laughs> like you have to be on it all the time. You have to be right. doing everything. You know, I mean that dude, I've never seen someone work harder all day. Yeah. We'd be on a tour bus and he would be uh, writing on calls, taking me—he's the person. I think it might be the exception to the rule because he'll do like an hour ten, and while an hour of it is like the special he's about to put out, there's also about ten minutes of like the beginning of the next special that's in there. It's
0: crazy, man. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah. He's the—he's the person who can actually—he can. I, I've seen him, and 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 Pat way more so than me. I've only gotten to—I've uh, got—he's been generous enough to take me on the road with them sure, four or five yeah. times, especially different shows. But um you know, it's just, it's an incredible thing to watch.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I asked this question too, this is more general base that I'd like to, to see how, uh, you know, people respond to it differently is, uh, with, Twitter came into the picture in 2000, I think it was 2006. Um, originally it was, it was set up to where I think you could only have what, uh, 140 characters, right? That's mm-hmm. about the length of, uh, a line, you know, a, a length of a joke punch, right? Do you think yep. Twitter's existence, uh, has, with, without it, uh, do you think Twitter has really uh, crafted and uh, redefined comedy? Uh, you know the comedy that we know today.
1: It's done a couple of things as far as I think there's twofold that I can think of. Mm-hmm. One, it's made it instantaneous. Yeah. So like you can't. Yeah. You know, I mean, it used to be at night you'd have three late night talk show hosts that mm-hmm. were talking about what happened that day. Now. By the time you even get to 1030 at night, 4,000 people have made the same joke about it. You know what I mean? So it is, it has made everything just boom, boom, boom. And if you're, you have to get it out there right away, or you're just one of another number. I think that's another way it's affected comedy because it's moved so much away from being just that type of topical Yeah, because you can do that anywhere now, right? You don't need a stage to do that. And now, so that's where the more personal aspect comes in for so many people, because uh, Twitter's done that. Yeah. Um, it's also created stars. It's created people (laughs) who have massive followings just on Twitter. And I've, I've done shows for people who it's like, do you do stand up? Well, I'm on Twitter and it's like, oh, okay. But you somehow packed a room and amazing. You're doing better. You know, they're, they're really great at that. They're really great at getting that engagement because it's a, it's like anything it's, it's, it's its own job. So sure. To kind of really come back to the question, I don't know how much it's revolutionized stand-up, mm-hmm. but I think it's certainly elevated another platform. I see um, that, yeah. And, and kind of, you know, really given us this opportunity to, to, one, for a lot of comics, it gives you an opportunity to be able to, to get out on a different platform sure. yeah. and say your joke right away and test it. But also, it's been given people who may not be good performers... Uh, the ability to still get their jokes out there as well.
0: Right. No, absolutely. That is a great answer. No, I, it, it is, though. It is weird, though, because I, I feel like that is, uh, it has. It's really changed the the way you could do it. I mean, you can write your, you can write all your jokes on Twitter, but the problem is then as soon as you do that, now you have that out there. So now everyone else can go out there and use it. And now it's like, well, shit, I can't do that now because so-and-so took it. So there is. I think it, it, drives, it drives you to work harder in a sense because it's like as soon as it's out there, it's like, all right, it's gone. It's used. Somebody's using it.
1: And it's, there's, it's twofold in that regard as well because yeah. one, like, oh, man, now it's out there and anyone can use it. Um, if it does well, especially if it doesn't. If it bombs, who cares? You can right. use it all day long. Um, but also on the other end of it, there is a timestamp. Sure. So you know who did ah, it yeah
0: yeah yeah that's true
1: and there is a piece of that that's kind of nice too it, it, you know it's just you have the ability to, to be like nope i did this on march 12th at one twenty four p.m. so it's mine mm-hmm. so there's a there's an up and down to it you know but it, it, but also uh There's great jokes out there that the first person who wrote it is not Mm -hmm. the one that it blew up for. Sure. You know, there's jokes on Twitter where if you if you just search the joke, it might have been out there five, ten times before someone with enough followers to really get it the leverage it needed to blow up. Right. uh, Had that happen. So, So like anything, Twitter is an environment of who's hearing you say it, Sure, where that's going, because you're putting it out there. It doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to happen with it from you, mm-hmm. um, but someone else with a parallel thought may be able to do more with it.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, another thing, too, is, I mean, it's not even just over the past year with, with cancel culture and stuff, but, I mean, even really over the past five years, uh, there's been changes to, to the medium that is comedy in the sense that one was a free-for-all as to what you could say because of the medium in which it was being projected or uh, done on, uh, it was classified as it's all good." It's just comedy. Um, if Richard Pryor shit came out now, the dude be canceled, literally canceled. Absolutely. So it's like for, does it, is it harder? Um, especially not only just past year, it's really wrapped up this past year, but uh, we're canceling potatoes, plastic potatoes and shit. But has, has it changed the way you, you do it? I mean, is it, is it, is it, it's not the same when you start. I mean, things are changing. There's all this PC stuff, yada, yada, yada. How, how are you reinventing yourself uh, and adapting to this, this cancel culture that is now, unfortunately, morphing its way into a, uh, a medium that once seen as uh, a free-for-all to say whatever?
1: Yeah, so I don't think that you can expect to have the right to say whatever you want to mm-hmm. and not have other people have the right to go, yeah. hey, that sucks. Yeah you shouldn't be talking like that about people. So it's not, you know, so I, I think that they're really the same thing. Sure. I think that, you know, like, there, there sh- like you said, there should be repercussions. There mm-hmm. should be someone pushing back if it's wrong. Um, I'm sure I've said things I, and, and, you know, I hope you're not looking for a clip right now. We're like, well, actually we have a couple now, but <laughs> yeah,
0: TMZ, TMZ <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's just like, you know, but I, one of the things about doing a lot more personal stuff and self-deprecating stuff and stories about your own life is that, it's a lot harder to offend someone else when you're not making fun of them. You know, Mm, I've got some jokes that I love that I'm like, I don't know if I should do that anymore. And, uh, uh, but uh, you know, I, and we should learn. I think we should grow Mm -hmm. to me. That's the point of all of this is Mm -hmm. to, is to get better. And um, I don't know. I think as someone who could take the advice himself, it's like, all right, write harder then. Mm -hmm. you know, find, find a more clever way around it instead of, Instead of just going forward, because a lot of that stuff, and, and it's not, this is not to put anyone down, but a lot of the stuff that's cancelable at this point yeah. is also really easy.
0: yeah, mm.
1: And, um, you know, and so they, they seem to go hand in hand sure. in some cases, not all for sure. There are very very clever jokes that should not be told, mm. and that's more the di- that's the harder part. It's like oh, that's so good. It's yeah. just really bad at the same time. Those are the ones. But a lot of it, you know, is uh, it, a lot of it can really be stuff that's been done. For, you know, the, the, the racist tropes and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, but they've been done already. Right. You don't need to do them. You know, and uh, and I think that plays into it as well. But I don't. I mean, I think we. I think we should take the challenge. Sure. I think like anything, you, you know, and, and because it's not going anywhere. So I can either complain about it and, or I can try and embrace the challenge and, and, and be better.
0: Yeah, no, I got that. When, uh, when you look at, um, this is always a iffy one. Some people don't, they don't really like to address this one, but I, I ask when I think it was what, 2015, when all that Cosby stuff came down and stuff as the, com- the comedy world saw him as literally, like that was the dude, like that was everyone's, that was the dad, that was the, the cool dude of comedy, right? It took a lot of people, some, some people, months for them to finally process and, and understand the fact that, hey, you're going to have to change, you know, the, the feelings of, you know, how you felt about uh, him or, or someone who's committed something like that. um within, you know, your line of work that you sought out to be, you know, Godly or some uh, mentor or something like that. It takes a while to adapt and understand that. Hey, so and so is a monster. It's like as being a part of this community of of, of a you know the comedian community. Um, what was the overall uh, message and what what was the word going around? How did you guys come together? Um, not only then but now to kind of speak up and and uh, let your voice be heard about uh, no means no and. Um, protecting, uh, you know, the, the comic community from, from getting this, uh, you know, this tainted image at times when situations like that happen.
1: Really fascinating question. Um, I don't, so I loved Cosby. He was right. my favorite comic when I was a kid mm-hmm. and uh, my mom would have the records on, you know, it's we so knew hard. all of that. Yeah. I mean, to my brother, yeah. Russell, whom I slept with is like one of the the best albums I've ever heard. Yeah. Uh, the Noah bit is just absolutely one of those things that like, I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not playing them now, right. um, but, you know, but it's, uh, it, it was a, it, it was a shock to say the least, but sure. the rumors had been floating for a while.
0: Right. And yeah.
1: uh, the craziest part is just how it broke open. It was mm-hmm. just, it was Hannibal Burris. It was Hannibal, someone recorded Hannibal Burris during a set and uh like i think it was almost like a year later um it, it started trending mm-hmm. like it wasn't even like right after Hannibal said the stuff it it took a while sure. to get the ball rolling and but that's what it took to get this whole big machine in motion to you know to start creating some change mm-hmm. and um certainly now i'm a very small cog in it then i was nothing so you were just like you were just watching and learning like everyone else sure. you know you're watching and seeing what happened um but it was it was fascinating, and yeah. it really taught me that one: uh, it's never too late to, to to redeem. And I think in this case, the redemption was th- these women had spoken up before, and sure. their voice wasn't there. And Hannibal, of all people, uh, amazingly gave them a voice, mm-hmm. and and that's such a cool thing that yeah. I don't. He kind of got some hell for it for a little while, I think, which is um, weird, he was you know, close with it, but like- he. Yeah, he was awesome. He was a hero in this. Like and and I don't think like people were mad at him. Mm-hmm. It was just kinda like it was just a weird, you know, side piece of it. Sure. But um um yeah, I mean he I don't know if he, he gets the credit for giving these people a voice who who didn't have that voice to be able to tell their stories. And and that's incredibly powerful to me. I think that's really cool.
0: It is. It is uh it is very strange. I mean, it's just like everything just stops and it's like, well, you gotta say something, because if you don't say something Within like a certain time frame, it's like, I'll probably be canceled. So it's like, how do, how do I use my platform and say something, but not say something that sounds forced or, uh, you know, cliche, like, oh my, like, say something that uh, is true for you and not, you know, what everyone else is saying. It's hard to have a response to something like that, you know?
1: Yeah. And I never, and that's a tough place to be because I never yeah. really, I don't get super public with that stuff on social media because I have the two lives. Mm you know what I mean? Like I'm a comic. Yeah. But also I'm a medical sales professional. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, we're always getting reminded that our, our social media is a public place and yeah. and there are things that you can certainly be let go from a position for if you're, you know, so it's, it's done a lot though. It's made mm. me work a lot cleaner. Um, Like I'm not squeaky, but uh, if I'm, if I'm on social media or if something, if a clip's going out, you know, I'm going to keep it as clean as possible. Sure. Uh, those reasons it also kind of keeps me out of some of the other stuff which i don't yeah. love i'm happy yeah. to say my opinion i mean dude's a monster we found out yeah he, he deserved everything that was coming to him yep. um but at the same point you know it wasn't like i don't know it wasn't something that i was running out to, to personally tweet about um because i also don't think like i don't think you should have to i think everyone should right. agree that, yeah. that that's a really shitty thing to do which you know? is weird like,
0: that we have two sides to it there should it should not be that way
1: yeah, I think it's just. I mean, it, it should just be great. Let's support this groundswell yes. and let's make sure that people are held accountable for what they've done.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, there should not be a drop-down menu to, <laughs> is what he did wrong or mm-hmm. not wrong. It's like it's a. It's just it's yes. I mean, and, and it is. It's weird. And I, I don't think it's people. And I, you know, not even just talking about him. It's just the situations like that in whole. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's that they uh, are saying, "Oh no, he did do." I think it's just. It's uh, it takes time, right? It takes time because it is it's like a culture shock. And it's like how you adapt to something like that, you know,
1: and you're coming to terms with it. I mean, I, I still have friends who feel very differently than me about a lot of other comics who mm. have, you know, uh, gotten crossed out over the years for, for different things that yeah. they've done. And, um, you know, I, I think that when it's someone that you loved and looked up to, it's we can all convince ourselves of a lot. You know, yes, I mean, we've seen that <laughs> in easy. the course of the last year, right? That you can convince yourself that something is or is not real yeah, without that having fraud. a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, Christian, so much of that even like. The willful ignorance of it. It's like, yeah. Well, he didn't do anything illegal for some of these guys. Who you oh, know, I guess like, he's
0: right. Yeah. I
1: mean, yeah, but that doesn't make it better. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and and they probably did. Like, yeah. it, but it, it's very easy to That's be. It's a willfully. different
0: rabbit hole, right? Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And and you know that being said, I also don't think that people are irredeemable. I mean, sure. you want people to be able to have a second chance if they're able to, you know, if they're able to uh, to to work toward being better, to mm-hmm. acknowledge, to help. I mean, obviously, depending on severity of what they've done. Cosby at this point, is irredeemable we're talking in general, Sure, yeah, but yeah I think that we need to find a great balance of accountability sure um we need to, it's very important that people are held for their actions absolutely um, at the same point, I think we need to be given the leeway to grow yeah and and improve as people, because if we look back enough on anybody, I bet. You could find something on almost everybody. Sure. Like, I mean it's yeah. impossible not to in this day and age.
0: Yeah, which is uh it's kind of weird. It's like you, you second guess everything you do because you fear that, which is just it's strange. But to, to transition into something uh less uh intense, uh still I guess you could say kind of pertaining to the whole cancel thing. Um, what does your brother think about uh, you know, your act? would you just what do you what you talk about uh, you know, you're making you're making bits off of, you know, Uh, Oh, I don't have to go to the rehearsal because uh, he's been three times. Like, what was his response to. to He loves it. Oh, that's great.
1: He loves it. He wants to be part of the joke. That's helpful. He's like, he's like, you know, I want you to do more material about me. And I was like, I'd rather
0: not. Should I get I think a think fourth playing? divorce? I think I should get a fourth divorce. I'm looking for newer stuff.
1: <laughs> right. No, he uh, he loves it. My mom, lo- I mean, they, they, they're all that's aware. Awesome, I mean, it's just the, you know, none of it's like, I, I, I'm not dog, like, it's just, it's where they were, you yeah, know? I mean, it's yeah. it's the reality that's around me. Sure. And, um, you know, and, and, and the dichotomy of that is I'm the exact opposite. Like, there, there's there's more than just like, man, they've been married a bunch, but it's also like, Somehow they got that piece of it. And me, I got the commitment phobia side, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like I want the exact opposite end of that. So there, there's more than just the, the piece kind of ragging on him. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, he, he literally he's like, yeah, I'd, I'd like you to do more bits about me. That's great.
0: So. That's great. <laughs> well, so uh, I appreciate you doing this. You got any shows coming up? I mean, you got anything coming up over here?
1: Yeah, I'm gonna. Be, I'll tell you, what, I have a couple of uh, fun local things here in the Chicago area. Um, uh, you can follow me on social media. I'm at Jimmy Flan. You can find out about a lot of it there. Um, I'm gonna be at uh, CG's Comedy Club uh, in Bolingbrook, April 23rd and 24th, and uh, I will be at uh, All That Good Stuff Productions, which is a really great crew on the South Side. Um, they've got a show on uh, on April 22nd. So I got some stuff coming up later in the week. Awesome. Uh, but again, follow me on social media, and uh, you can find out all about it.
0: You bet, man. I appreciate you doing this. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. You bet. Take care of yourself. You too. Thanks, Christian. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation between me and comedian Jim Flanagan. Like I said, Jim Flanagan's doing live comedy this week, April 22nd. He'll be on the south side of Chicago doing a show with All That Good Stuff Productions. And then April 23rd and 24th, he'll be doing a show out in Bolingbrook at CG's Comedy Club. Links in the episode notes. Be sure to go out there, support live comedy, support Jim Flanagan, support your local comedy clubs. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time here on The Christian Hansen Show. Till then, stay safe and be well.